Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 33 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsor, Clio. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. You know, Tom, people sometimes ask me if technology really does help make our work easier and better or whether it just brings us new ways to make things even more complicated. And that's actually a difficult <laughs> question. And the, the simple fact that we still ask it shows we have a ways to go before technology really does accomplish everything we want it to do for us. Today, I, I thought we could delve into an area getting a lot of attention lately where technology really does seem to help you in practical ways. And I think also is making lawyers rethink traditional approaches to the practice of law and maybe even the legal skill set itself. Tom? Absolutely, Dennis. Today, we're going to take a small step back from technology because this is a little bit of a hybrid topic and talk about project management and why it's such a hot topic in law firms and legal practice today. In our second segment, we'll answer some questions from the mailbag. And uh, as usual, we'll end with our parting shots. So that one tip, website or observation that you can begin to use the second this podcast is over. But on to our main topic, which is project management. Dennis, when you, you mention the term project management, you don't really think about law firms. After all, um, they traditionally haven't operated a lot like corporations where you'll usually find some level of project uh, management or even a, an entire department devoted to, to managing the company's projects. But I think that's changed a lot in the past few years. And I've got a couple of ideas why this has happened. But why don't you start out by giving us your thoughts? Well, I, I I think that we've sort of moved into an era where the focus of everybody is on, on actual projects in front of us. Um, sort of interestingly, in preparation for, for this podcast and, and sort of by accident, I went to a going away party for one of uh, a project manager I've been working with over the last couple of years. And it really makes a difference when you have a great project manager work you're working with. So I think that this combination of all the stuff that we're working on, um, all the different ways information descends on us, email, phone calls, instant messaging, we're really looking for ways to organize things and then also to keep projects moving forward. I think that's it's a combination of, of those things and, and then looking at the tools, technology tools that we have um, and how to kind of help us sort priorities, sift through responsibilities. I think that's all kind of come together, um, not just now. I mean, I think it's been coming on for, for quite a few years. Um, does, does that help, Tom, or do we need to talk a little bit more about what, what the heck we mean by project management? Well, I, 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 the only thing that I would add to the why about why we're talking about this is that I think that law firms are starting to think more like corporations. There are a lot of people who uh, who say that uh, that companies are. Um, you know, recognizing and law firms are recognizing that they need to run their firms like their clients run their businesses in order to be successful. And uh, they've spent too long. We've spent too long working as law firms, as the profession of law rather than the, than the operation of a business. And I think that there has been some recognition of that in the adoption of project management. But but let's talk for a minute 
and, and define project management as we're going to discuss it today. I, I went out and looked for a, a good definition of project management uh, as it might apply to any industry. And, and the one that I got was, uh, was that a project manager or project management is the supervising the process of deploying resources people, technology, those types of things, which have associated costs against tasks to accomplish specified objectives. That's a pretty simple way of putting it. Would you have a different or better way of defining it for our audience? Well, I think I think the, you really touch on a couple of key things there, but I think tasks, timelines, um, responsibilities, next action steps, all those sorts of things. So you say, we're putting a team together and, you know, Tom, we wrote we wrote a chapter on project management in our book. So That's right. the, the, the whole notion of projects and managing projects is essential in, in the area of collaboration. But I think it's, it's sort of breaking it down and saying, OK, what are the next steps? Who's responsible for those? Um, are we on track? Are we, you know, have we slipped behind? I mean, some project management tools you see, you can do red, yellow, green just to let you know really easily what the status is. And then I think as you uh, try to bring different groups together. And then you look at, uh, in my world, I think in terms of deliverables where you're saying, okay, so what are we actually producing? So what is the end result of the project and what are milestones? Where do those come in? And I think it then becomes a process where typically there does become one person who's uh, kind of responsible for managing that and making sure everybody's on track uh, in one sense, and then, and that may or may not be the same person who has the final say on and on making decisions. But um, it's nice to be on a big project where there is a dedicated project manager. Um, what I think is, is a little bit different, though, is that in law, because I've felt that we always had uh, project management notions, especially once you're a partner in a law firm. But I think the the there's a uh, there's been a change in the name of how we think about this, and I think with law we've traditionally talked in terms of case management and matter management. And I think those are a little bit different, some similarity, but tell me, how do you, you're sort of more in, I think, the area of uh, electronic discovery, which is associated with project management. But do you think we're seeing a difference between that traditional case and matter management? You know, I think that there is a fine line between them because really case and matter management is the uh, ability to look at different uh, milestones, look at different tasks within a specific case or matter and manage those to completion. They probably don't have the same functions of uh, that, that you would see in a, in a project management software where you're assigning resources to individuals and, uh, and, and, and having specific calendar items and milestones. But, but I I think the principles are very similar. So, uh, looking at project management is is not going to be a huge leap um, from looking at case management or matter management. Although, the discipline of project management, I think, takes a, 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 a different talent from what lawyers might be used to in terms of case management or matter management. My only, I would only disagree with you when you analogize uh, the project management is, is really what lawyers, especially partners, are doing. I would only disagree with you to the extent that 
in my opinion, a project manager, and I'm seeing them mostly in the e-discovery field, but certainly in all litigation support areas, has to be um, a, a details person. There has to be a lot of attention to details, and partners usually see themselves as the big picture people. Um, they, they, they're the ones who chart the strategy, the overall strategy, and usually the folks who are dealing with the details are the associates. Now, could the associate make a good project manager? Maybe so. And uh, what I thought was very interesting... Um, uh, uh, the, the Cowan Group recently released a report, I think either this week or last week, where they were looking at the salaries of litigation support, and they found that legal project management is actually exploding. And they find that uh, that litigation support groups are actually hiring lawyers to um, to 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 be project managers because they bring their legal experience to the table, along with probably some project management skills. Dennis, what do you think about this? Do you think lawyers are equipped for project management or do you agree with my my thesis? Well, I, I think I, I think it's right that you mentioned this sort of explosion in a, attention on project management these days because I'm seeing, it seems like several blog posts, a couple of articles almost every day. I think that, you know, by nature, lawyers do tend to run projects. Um, and that was, you know, always my approach to things. And so you're right, it's, it can be a bigger picture versus, say, the classic project manager these days tends to be very detail oriented. I, I do agree with that. But I think in terms of having a project orientation, say, as a partner at a law firm, I may have several projects going on, different associates working on it. I might be working on some and I'm looking for what's, you know, what's happening. I want to know whether things are on time. Um, how close we are to deadlines, who's doing what, whether people have the right priorities. And so I think that sort of inherently in, in what you do, especially as you get into, into, into bigger firms, but I, I, obviously in small firms as well, that there is that sort of inherent project management that you do that you're not really taught to do, obviously, in law school, and some people are better than others. I think what's really the change that's happening is that in other, you know, in the corporate setting and other areas, people realize that project management is something that can be taught and it can be taught well. And I think that uh, in the lit support area and, and other places, you're starting to see that come into the legal profession. So it's not just uh, we're sort of professionalizing the skill set of, of lawyers in the same way that, you know, instead of just saying either lawyers are born marketers or not, or they're born managers or they're born project leaders. We're now saying, hey, look, in the rest of the world, you can teach people those skills. And I think that's where the big change is coming into the legal profession is is the education and the training uh, area. I think so too. I, you know, coming from having been a litigator and moving into a field where there is more project management and actually doing more project management myself, I find that I don't have I've, I, sometimes all of the skills that I probably could use. And, and I agree completely that education is important. I was looking on the internet and found, um, found on Paul Easton's blog. He has a great blog on legal project management and he gave, um, the, the sort of a, his definition of what makes a good project manager. And I think a lot of these apply to lawyers. And most of them do. Uh, good communication skills, the, the ability to quickly adapt to new developments, the ability to juggle multiple projects, or I guess read cases there for lawyers, the ability to handle stress well. But he says, and I agree, and, and you've said too, that, that anybody who wants to go into project management really should take a course on the subject to make sure they understand the basics of running a project. But let's change gears just a little 
little bit, Dennis, and, and talk about how people or firms, lawyers or firms can get more involved in doing project management. We haven't really talked about the technology aspect of this, but there certainly is. Do you want to start us off on that? Well, I mean, it's worth mentioning that, especially in this sort of simple, um, maybe it's not necessarily small firm, but it's a great simple example is the one we use in our book, which is a, a tool like Basecamp, an online project management tool that you know breaks things down into tasks. You can see what's going on. You can set milestones. You can you can do any sort of number of things. So in the rest of the world, there's sort of the classic Microsoft project as a project management tool. So there are some technology tools. There's also some philosophies out there. I mean, there's some some actual approaches and structures that people take to project management um, that uh, that you can learn and adapt to to your setting. So to me, it's sort of like a combination of training, looking at the tools, seeing what's out there. But I, I think the big thing is, as we do in, for ourselves in saying, here's what we ha- here are the projects we have, and we break those down into to-dos and action steps and milestones, it's sort of saying, can we move that onto the bigger world of projects where we involve more people and, and some of the tools that you might you might use for that. I know Tom, you probably have a whole list of technology tools that you you would invite people to consider. Well, you know that's interesting. I I do sort of, but I can't say that I've tried them all out. I um I think it's interesting because you know in our book, as you say, we mentioned Basecamp as being a project management tool that we liked a lot. And and back then when we wrote the book, I really did enjoy using Basecamp. I set it up as a um uh, as a as a as a strategic planning tool for two nonprofits that I worked with and and I think they worked very well but but I'm finding it interesting lately that I'm seeing blog posts come up with people being critical of Basecamp that it's not the right tool for lawyers that uh, it's not as user friendly as it could be that there are many other tools out there that can do the job and provide much better uh, better services and and there are I would say dozens of project management sites that are out there that we mention in our collaboration tools directory will make sure that there's a link in the show notes. Um, but, uh, I'll, you know, Zoho, Zoho Projects is one. I, frankly, use Microsoft Project. We use it uh, for my work, and it is, in my opinion, the most full-featured. It tends to be the same as, as why I would prefer to use Word uh, over using Google Docs, that I just tend to like the, the full-featured set. So, depending on what you need to accomplish and how complicated the tasks or the projects you need to uh, attack uh, will de- determine the type of tool that you use. There are a lot of very basic tools on the internet. There are more advanced tools that are probably going to cost you a monthly fee to, uh, to, to to subscribe to. Or you can go whole hog and get Microsoft Project, which is really the, the, the Cadillac, I think, in terms of project management software. Dennis, why don't you take us out with a few closing thoughts? Well, just a couple of thoughts. I mean, I've run into a couple of things over the years. I, I used to, uh, I used this tool called the Master List. A friend of mine named Bill Newbert uh, introduced me to when he, like many others, called me to try to talk to me to, about writing about a new case management tool. And I said, I'm only interested, this is probably about 10 years ago, I'm only interested in if you have some project management feature. Well, he did. And, and I ended up using that software for 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 quite a while, I also saw a demo once of, uh, and this is a project that uh, product that never came out, but I, I think the functionality will appear someday. Is that you were able to say, say somebody left your project, you know, pregnancy leave, uh, 
somebody was sick or somebody left the job, you could substitute them there in for roles in all your rest of your projects. So you seamlessly replace them in the tool. So I think it's one of those things where you say, I look at some of the basic stuff. Obviously, Microsoft Project is pretty much a standard. But to say, what are my projects? How do I need them? What are things that are likely to happen? The huge thing I think now that's changing with lawyers is uh, lots of external collaborators as opposed to maybe before. So it's not just partner down to associate, yep. lots of third parties. Definitely. That's that's a big thing. And so, as always, I come down to the point that technology makes the most sense within your specific processes and systems and how you make them work with the technology and make things better. I think the big message, though, and what we're seeing everywhere, Tom, is that the lawyers do need to, to start to look at things from this project focus. And I think it's more useful than case and matter for, for a lot of lawyers. And then to say, what's out there in the tools. And then uh, I think most important to say, this is a skill set I need to learn. And there's lots of great resources to learn that. And I know that we'll put some in the in the show notes. Yeah, we sure will. But uh, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our amazing sponsor, Clio. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for our free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code KMR for a 25% discount. Interested in having a show on Legal Talk Network? We'd like to talk to you about building your firm's marketing strategy with legal podcasts. Give us a call at 781-551-9960. That's LegalTalkNetwork.com. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And we have another edition of Audience Questions. We also want to remind listeners they can send us questions about legal technology, and we'll always try to answer them in one of our Q&A segments. First off, Tom... Here's the question. Is there a good way to manage or delete Facebook friends with whom I no longer want to be friends? You're pitching up a softball today. That's a pretty, I think, simple question. There's a couple of ways to do that if you find that there are people that you no longer want to follow. Um, there's there's the uh, sort of passive aggressive way, um, which is to just hide them. If you look in your regular feed, uh, you can put your and you see a post that you don't particularly like, something that turns you off or offends you. You can, uh, but you don't really want to defriend them because there might be some ramifications for doing that. You can just put your your a cursor over their name and a little hide button will come out that it will give you the option to hide them completely or hide just what they're talking about if they happen to be talking about something on the Facebook service like some of those annoying games like Mafia Wars or Farmville or things like that. If you want to get more permanent, um, you can go to your account and then edit friends and then you can just click the X next to a friend and that will should remove the connection to that friend. You can also go to that friend's page 
and look at the bottom left-hand corner. There's two options down there. One is remove from friends, and that'll remove them from your list of friends. Or um, there's also a link to report or block this person if that per that friend is is more threatening or someone that you are more concerned about stalking you or or somebody that you really, really, really don't want to be connected with on Facebook. Did I leave anything out, Dennis? No, I, I I think that's great. Although I think it's worth mentioning that sort of psychological aspect because you do add people as friends and, and it seems like a great idea at the time. And then you realize that they're sending you updates about games and, and stuff you really don't want to see on a feed or you don't want other people to see in, in connection with your site. Um, so it does become kind of a tricky thing. And then and then the whole notion of unfriending, I think, is a little bit difficult. It also involves some some management, but psychologically, it's difficult. So, Tom, I wonder if you might take a, just a little bit of time to talk about. I know that at one point you actually did go through a process of of unfriending, right, to get your number of friends down to a more manageable level, as I recall. It wasn't really a matter of manageable. It was a matter of deciding what friends meant in terms of Facebook. And I think we've talked about this on this podcast before, but but I take the position that I, I use LinkedIn for my professional networking and I use Facebook for friends and family. And I have a very loose standard uh, when it comes to that. You are my friend on Facebook and I, if I've met you in person at least once. And when I came up with that rule, I, I discovered that there were a lot of solo lawyers out there that I'd never met, that I'm welcomed. To, to hook up with on, on LinkedIn, but who I just didn't want seeing my updates or pictures of me or things like that. And so I went through and I removed them. And I think the nice thing about it is that you can do that without them knowing unless they're going to go back and look through uh, the list and see who's missing. So it's good that they don't get an automatic notification that you're uh, unfriending them, uh, which I think was a was a word of the year last year because of uh, its popularity. But um, it's, I think, a relatively simple, painless process. And I think that's a great tip to people that, that really there isn't like a, a red flashing light go off for the person that you unfriend when you do it. So you can do it fairly, fairly easily. It's an easy thing to do on Twitter, too, to unfollow people. So it can be a little straightforward. It gives you a chance to go in and, and clean things up in a little ways. Sort of a related question is that as we move into social media and we have we're posting things and we're getting things in, in these different social media places. Um, which is sometimes kind of hard to figure out where they were to see if we can find them. So the question I got recently was, uh, is there a way that I can easily go back and look through old tweets, Facebook posts, and other social media updates to find stuff that I want or to, you know, maybe even to retrieve entire conversations? What have you found along those lines? Well, you know, that's to use a bunch of metaphors. That's a sixty-four thousand dollars question that doesn't have a silver bullet answer. Um, I I think right now you're limited to kind of kludging things together, and it really depends on the social media tool that you're using. With with Twitter, you um, you have a couple of different options. You have just search.twitter.com. We've talked about that. How powerful Twitter's search tool is. It allows you to search by date, so you can search your tweets. Those those uh, posts you make on Twitter by date. Uh, there's a service called TweetScan that allows you to download your entire Twitter timeline back to December of 2007. Um, 
you know, with Facebook, it's pretty hard. If you want to look at some of your status updates, you just have to keep clicking older posts, older posts, older posts, and scrolling down. I'm not aware of a better way. And if some of our listeners have other ways, then I'd, I'd love to post it on our show notes. Um, one way that I keep track of a lot of things is through friend feed. And I can go back to my friend feed. And depending on how you've configured it, you can configure it to, uh, to support all of your social services. And theoretically, that should be keeping them indefinitely. So that's that's probably my best answer is friend feed's going to keep them all in one place assuming that you've set them all up. Now there are there are consequences for setting them up because uh, that way because you may wind up broadcasting status in multiple places that you don't want to do, but that way you guarantee a, a full and complete archive of everything. Dennis, do you have any other interesting ways of of getting to your old tweets or status updates? Well, yeah, I do have I do have a way that that I use. Um, although I th I think that w the number of times you actually go back to something is is fairly rare. Though, although I see the utility of this, so I've always done. And my example is Facebook. So in Facebook, you can set an RSS feed for the updates that you get. Um, and so I, it's another way that I use Facebook without being on Facebook. And so I will see the updates from friends of mine. And I, I use a separate free RSS feeder called uh, uh, Feed Demon. And then that keeps all those things in, as, in that RSS reader. And then I could, in theory, go back and, and look through all of all the friend updates that I get in Facebook separately without kind of scrolling through page after page. I suspect that, you know, the best way ultimately uh, is is going to be a real simple thing, which which I always suggest is to just say, hey, when there's really useful stuff, I just copy it and like create some document, maybe put it on my desktop that says, you know, interesting stuff or whatever, and just start just throw stuff in there and, and you know, end up end up using it uh, because I think it is still at this point pretty hard uh, to discuss. Tom, it's uh, time, I think, for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Take it away. Well, my uh, my parting shot this week is uh, about Google Voice. Google Voice is something that's been around for a while, and if you haven't tried it, I urge you to try it today. It's a great tool for you know setting one number that will uh, that that can rule them all. Uh, you can have one phone number that will forward calls to any number that you have, or anytime one of your phone rings, it'll it'll ring at your Google uh, number. It will leave you a voicemail that it will transmit. Transcribe. I haven't gotten into Google Voice that much, but what I've seen, I've really liked. I plan on doing more with it. And uh, the good news is, is that it's now open to everyone. You used to have to have an invite to get to Google Voice. Now anybody can register for Google Voice. Pick a phone number, and you're in. And I'm going to post uh, to the show notes an article that came out, sort of in celebration of Google Voice being uh, being openly available to everyone, called uh, "10 Clever Google Voice Tricks That You Can Start Using Once You Set Up Your Google Voice." account. Dennis. Yeah, Tom, that's a, I, that's a, that's a great one. That's something that I want to spend a little more time playing with as well and get more involved in. I have two. One, one I'll do quick, which is uh, quickly, which is a, a shout out to our, uh, to our friend Rodney Dowell, also on the Legal Talk Network on the Unbillable Absolutely. Hour, who did a 
great uh, recent podcast, sort of unexpectedly uh, interesting. The, the premise was talking to a small firm lawyer about outsourcing to India and uh, absolutely fascinating, a very practical discussion of, of what a solo or small firm could do to actually outsource meaningful, useful work to India and get great results and practical insights about how to handle that, how to make choices, how to manage that work. Uh, really excellent uh, podcast, one that will, re I think, really make people think, hopefully in the same way our discussion of, of developing a project management uh, approach will have a similar more impact on people is just a new way of thinking. The the other thing I want to mention, um, especially for people who do speaking and are on, on panels, is uh, uh, a blogger named Nick Morgan wrote a great post called 10 Rules for Presenting as a Team. Um, and we'll, we'll put a link to, to the show notes in there uh, on that, uh, but a great discussion uh, of of some tips for when you're presenting either on a panel as or as part of a group and and it's just great practical stuff his blog is called uh, public words and uh just a couple of things that, that are, they just make so much sense and you see people do so rarely but uh I love this one of of actually rehearsing the transitions as you make transitions between people on the panel um and and then I think a big one that you tend to forget uh, when you're on a panel, but you really notice it when you're in the audience, is if you can turn that panel presentation into a conversation, it's a really becomes a lot more interesting to the audience as they see the experts Absolutely. talk among themselves. So uh, those would be my two parting shots today. So again, Nick Mer Morgan, uh, 10 Rules for Presenting as a Team, definitely an article uh, worth tracking down for speakers. Tom? Yep. Those are definitely great tips. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available on our show notes wiki, which is located at tkmreport.com. We're also on Twitter at tkmreport. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Miles. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Make sure that listening to this podcast is on your project list. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network. <laughs>